Blog Talk Radio. revolutionary work 
not just here at home, not just in the diaspora, but also going back to the continent, the place of our origin in Africa. We also plan to have on our national minister of defense, uh, Babu Omawali, who will give us a little bit, tell us a little bit of what happened in Austin, Texas with that mighty protest for the rights to bear arms, for the rights of self-defense, and how he went about building alliances and working with the people and working with various organizations in um, trying to achieve these objectives and aims. So this building alliances is, is very major. Like I said, it gives us an opportunity to utilize one another's resources and they oppress people. I was talking to Brother, Brother Zizwe and I earlier had a conversation and he was sharing with me one of the greatest fears of, an, of this oppressive nation is that the uh, disposed people, the displaced people, the oppressed people come together that they transcend these lines of division and work together for the common good of shaking shackles of our capitalist imperialist enemies, for lack of better words. I mean, there's no other word to say it. Any people that will oppress a people and any people that will hinder people from self-determination has to be an enemy. That's only natural to, to label them that as what they are. So today's show promises to be insightful. It definitely promises to be informative. And as we do all the time, politically, educational for us. In fact, so I'm there again, I'm your host, national spokesman, Chairman Yang and Kuma out of Atlanta, Georgia. We have our Chairman Kahar. Chairman Kahar, are you on Okay. I know he was in transit when we talked. We'll just put his mic back on and when he's ready to come to us, he'll hit one. But without further ado or delay, I wanna bring in our I want to bring in our special guest Brother Zizway from the All African People's Revolutionary Party, and give us a little bit and talk to us a little bit. You know, just rap to us, man. There again, this is your national spokesman, Ang Nkrumah, for the People's New Black Panther Party, Black Nationalist Network, People's Talk. Brother Zizway, are you on the line with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you, comrade. How are you today? Fine, brother, comrade. Ready for revolution. Actually, ready for revolution. Yeah, that's our greeting. Ready for revolution. Uh, I like that. Yes, yes. I learned that one from uh, the great Kwame Ture, who was uh, on our central committee in the All-African People's Revolutionary Party before he made his transition. And I was Mm -hmm. lucky enough to sit at his feet and learn a whole lot of things in regard to the African Revolution. And, of course, he studied under the Yeah, he studied under the great Kwame Nkrumah, Akhmed Sekoure, and he worked with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and many others in our great struggle for uh, freedom and justice. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, you know we're talking about building alliances, and and you and I had an opportunity to talk earlier, which was man, I always enjoy our conversations. So, in building alliances, let's give us a little bit about the All African People's um, Revolutionary Party, a little bit about its goals, objectives, and and what it is exactly what it is for a lot of our listening audience out here that may not be familiar with it. Well, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party was started by the great Osajipo Kwame Nkrumah, the first president of Ghana, who was a um, a revolutionary Pan-Africanist, one of the greatest theoreticians and practitioners of Pan-Africanism that we've known. And uh, he was uh, a young man who was a student and uh, who came to the U.S. and learned about the struggle for 
Marcus Garvey. He used to attend the meetings that Marcus Garvey had in New York City. And he worked, and he was homeless here in America, but he was a student, and he learned about the uh, struggle to liberate our people. So uh, going to Marcus Garvey's meetings and stuff. And he started the African Student Association while he was in this country. He went on to get a doctorate in uh, philosophy at Lincoln University, where a lot of great Africans born on the continent had been coming to school in this country going to Lincoln University. He left the U.S., and he was uh, with Garvey in 1935. He left the U.S. in 1940, went to England, and got into a revolutionary organization called The Circle, where there was a lot of great freedom fighters who became uh, leaders of the African Revolution that we uh, uh, learned about later on in history, like C.L.R. James and uh, others uh, while he was in England. And when he left England, he came to Africa in 47 to start um, getting involved in a liberation struggle where he went back to where he was born, which is uh, what we call Ghana in West Africa in 1947. And uh, he immediately immersed himself into the struggle in Ghana. And he immediately joined an organization called the United Gold Coast Convention. Now, him being a young man, he was very, very radical and ready for a change. The people who were the leadership of the uh, uh, United Gold Coast Convention were old and kind of, uh, they were afraid to go too fast. So he had a parting of the ways with the leadership in the UGCC because he wanted freedom now, and they wanted to get freedom after a certain period of time, they wanted to go slow. He broke off from those folks and formed what is called the Convention People's Party in 1949. And he was put in jail for sedition for calling for freedom now in Ghana to get the uh, British colonialists out of Ghana and to liberate Ghana. So he was thrown in jail, and he was elected to be the president of Ghana as early as 1951 by the mass of the people while he was in jail, Right. So mm-hmm. he had all these organized. He built this party, the Convention People's Party, and he said this organization was basically made out of students and women, students and women in Ghana. And what he did was, through the process of organizing as a young man on the college campuses in the USA, United States of America, going to England to join a, a revolutionary organization, then going back to Ghana, he learned all these different things about how to build mass parties, how to build coalitions and alliances. And one of the most important things he did was he helped to organize what is called the Fifth Pan-African Congress in 1945, which took place in Manchester, England, where we had all the leading revolutionaries come to that particular program. Paul Robeson was there. C.L.R. James was there. Joe Kenyatta was there. Sager Touré was there, and many more. And so when he went back to Ghana, uh, they had agreed that what they must do was to build mass parties to liberate Africa. The Convention People's Party and all those other folks who was there went to their respective areas and began to organize mass parties. Mm-hmm. So by the time he organized the mass party and got it became the first nation to become independent south of the Sahara, in 1957, he had all this experience in terms of what to do to organize our people. And all you know who know anything about the struggle of our people here in the U.S., Malcolm X went to Ghana 
Malcolm X went to Ethiopia and met with Kwame Nkrumah, Jomo Kenyatta, and all these guys on a boat called ISIS. And he decided that what we must do, build alliances with people who look like us. This is what Malcolm talked about when he went back to Africa in 1964. His eyes became awakened because he saw that the struggle was international. He said power is international. We can't limit ourselves to the little micro area like in the United States or in Nigeria only or Ghana only or South Africa only. The struggle is international because the enemy, we must know the enemy. That's the first law of war. Lao Zhu yeah. talks about that. You must mm-hmm. know the enemy. We are fighting a global terrorist murder machine. We are fighting a global enemy. And if you look at what's going on now, you see when they divided, when they decided they want to overthrow Gaddafi, what did they do? They had an international coalition. When they decided they mm-hmm. wanted to overthrow Saddam Hussein, take over control of Iraq, they had an international coalition. And this ain't nothing new. This is what they have been doing for the last 150, 200 years, even more. Because the European powers in 1884 at the Berlin Conference, they got together in Berlin, Germany, and figured out how they was going to carve up Africa into pieces, and everybody got a slice. British got the most. France got this, like mm-hmm. others got like that. Because they formed an alliance. An alliance. Of well, let me let me let me ask you. I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask you a question because we go back you said in sixty four Malcolm Winnie went to Africa and that um yeah. I know he was greatly influenced and I was gonna open the line for Chairman Kaha, apparently he dropped off. Um was greatly influenced by Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, what was it that influenced him and what was it that, that Malcolm saw that took his perspective from just a national perspective to an international perspective? Yes, well, he had, uh, when he was in the U.S., before he had made that second pilgrimage, Hodge, because mm-hmm. he made one in the 50s, before he made this second Hodge, he had already interacted with some international um, characters in the liberation struggle because the United Nations was in New York City and still is. And so he met with people like Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, Kwame Nkrumah. He met with a guy by the name of um, this guy who's uh, from Tanzania. I can't think of his name, but he's uh, he wrote several books. He was a leading revolutionary. And so Malcolm would meet with these folks when they would come to New York. And if you all know that famous picture, you see him talking in front of that Liberation Bookstore. And mm-hmm. he got pictures of us. Ray, Kwame Nkrumah, et cetera, is even in the movie Malcolm X. And he was started talking about international struggle even before he went to Ghana. So he already knew what to do. He knew the struggle was international. And if you remember, he said the question of, it's not a question of civil rights, because when you go for civil rights, you go to the same person who's oppressing you. You, you tell them the fox to guard the in-house. He had learned that. So he said it was a question of human rights. And the only place you can talk about human rights at is in an international uh, court or in an international forum, which was the United Nations. So he had already mm-hmm. advanced to that stage knew the struggle was an international struggle. And luckily for us, he had been uh, learning from uh, the Honorable Marcus Mozart Garvey through his father. Right. So, uh, well, when, yes, the connection no, is I'm, there. I'm, I'm, you look at the, go ahead. 
No, go ahead, say the last part again, comrade. I don't think I, I, I think I may have cut you off. Right, the connection from those freedom fighters before Malcolm with Marcus Garvey, before Marcus Garvey, there was Edward Wilmer Blyden. Before Edward Wilmer Blyden, there was Paul Cuffey. The struggle of our people has been international from day one. From when they first started taking us, putting us in slavery, taking us out of the continent, it's been international. It's just that mm-hmm. many of us didn't understand the scope and understand the necessity that we have to have a worldwide united front, a worldwide African united front. And that we also right must on. have worldwide coalitions. And so those folks who fought to liberate our people, like Kwame Nkrumah, Sekou Toure, et cetera, uh, after the 1945 Fifth Pan-African Congress, they realized this. And in Nkrumah's book, uh, Revolutionary Warfare, and other books, Class Struggle, et cetera, he talks about an organization called the organization in solidarity with the peoples of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. That organization was very important. That was a worldwide coalition of people from Africa, Asia, and Latin America. That emerged from the Bandung Conference. Now, everybody who knows about Malcolm, he talks a lot about the Bandung Conference that took place in 1955. That Bandung is in where? Indonesia? This was a meeting where people met of all nationalities with no Europeans there. So that was one of the first things that emerged after the 5th Pan-African African Congress in 1945. Then after that, you had the formation of the OSPAAL, and then you also had the formation of the Non-Aligned Movement in 1961 in Cuba. So we're talking about international alliances that were created because they knew way back then the enemy was a global enemy. And in order for us to beat, defeat this enemy, we must have very strong international alliances. And then later on, the great Kwame Ture taught us that we must create an African United Front. And this is what Malcolm was trying to do, actually. When he mm-hmm. formed the organization African American Unity, he said this is supposed to be a sister organization to the organization of African unity. In essence, he was forming an international African united front that included mm-hmm. Africans at home and abroad. Right? Right. See? So the brothers and sisters he met with in Africa, they had no problem with him coming back to the snakes and forming the OAAU. And this is one of the things that People talk about, well, why didn't Malcolm stay in Africa since he knew his life was in danger? He already knew it. He knew who was trying to kill him. It wasn't just a, it wasn't a nation of Islam. He knew it was something bigger than them, as he said. Right. He knew it. They followed him all over the world, and that's one of the things he was going to reveal when they shot him, is that he knew now it was somebody bigger than them because they didn't have the ability. Since he was the one who trained the fruit, since he was the one who built the nation of Islam, he knew their capacity and what they could do. So now he was forming an international African United Front with the building of the OAAU to be a sister organization to the OAU. Well, and one of the one. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. No, I was gonna. I, yeah, I was gonna ask you um, uh, another question because you you know we're talking about Malcolm going international, going to the UN. 
do you, to the UN. Do you think that strategy is effective in this day and time? And and with going to and is it practical? And is going to you. I know you and I talked a little earlier, but you know, for the benefit of our listening audience, we're going to a little bit of that. Um, is the UN effective now for bringing human rights violations up against this country for the treatment of um, its its African descendants here? Yes. Well, you know, Malcolm knew the UN was really a, a Western-controlled entity even back then because when they killed Patrice Lumumba in the Congo, Malcolm talked extensively about that and how they used the uh, United Nations against uh, Patrice Lumumba. He knew it. He knew it. Mm-hmm. But still, what he wanted to do was to expose the U.S. by going to the United Nations himself and call for... Um, put uh, the United Snakes on the carpet about genocide. He was going to charge, he said, we charge genocide against the U.S. Although he knew full well that the U.N. was an actor against Patrice Lumumba as well as uh, Paul Roberson and other leaders in Africa and around the world. They killed the, uh, they killed the guy, Dodge Hammerskull, who was the Secretary General of the United Nations. He knew all this. So now, it was it was kind of impractical back then, and it's impractical even more so now, in terms of knowing that they ain't gonna come out against the U.S. because the U.S. is uh, providing like seventy five percent of the funding to the United Nations. And uh, fact, in two thousand one, at the uh, World Conference Against Racism in uh, Durban, South Africa, uh, almost all the nations of the world was critical of the Zionist State of Israel and the U.S. And the U.S. said they ain't paying their bill and that they're going to pull out the U.N. and all that. They threatened the U.N. It was going to destroy mm. the U.N. if the U.N. Uh, went against what they wanted. Now, today, mm. uh, the Palestinian Authority has joined the United Nations International uh, Criminal Court and is bringing charges against the Zionist State of Israel. The U.S. has threatened to do things against the United Nations as well as Israel. So, on the one hand, the United Nations is dominated by the U.S., and if you look at the structure of the United Nations, you have five permanent members, members who have veto power, U.S., France, England, uh, and one more European country I can't think of off the top of my head. Okay, make Russia and China. So it's, de- it's definitely controlled by the West, and like I had told you earlier, fight that. We could use the United Nations to get out certain information and expose the West, like what they're doing in regard to the atrocities they committed against the Palestinians. Malcolm X wanted to expose and embarrass the U.S. as being a very inhumane and terrorist state, which we could do that. Like Sacred Ture says, reform serves revolution. When you go to the United Nations, that would be a reformist effort in terms of try to reform the very enemy, the belly of the beast, as we call the United States. We try to get them to change their ways through reform. So you could use the United Nations as a tool to expose nations like the United States, England, Israel, etc., with the crimes that they have committed against humanity. And what this in turn would do is to politically educate millions and millions of people as to the truth. Because, like, I've traveled to Africa. Most of the people got this image that the United States is all democratic. And, you know, it's a democracy, yeah. I think. Yeah. And everybody, they're real good, and all the Africans in this country are rich. This is the kind of thing the majority of people in Africa that I've 
where I went to think, especially like with the election of Barack Obama, they really think, oh, my gosh, America is <laughs> as you would want. You know they what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's the best thing since sliced bread, but they just don't know. Okay. Come over here and get disappointed. Right. Yeah. So basically, yeah. that's what it's all about. Right on. Listen, uh, Brother Eastway, you know, and, and again, we, we usually go to the phone lines and allow people to ask questions. You're open for a few questions and, and comments, too, aren't you, brother? I got you for a minute. Sure. Yes, sure. sir. Yes, sir. You're listening to the New Black Panther Party, the People's Party, People's Talk Black Nationalist Network, with your host, National Spokesman Yang and Kruma, Chairman Yang and Kruma. Let's go to our phone lines. Let's open it up, see if we have any questions from my dear comrade. Area code 504-2772. Your line is over. I'm getting a little echo from you, brother. I don't know if you're listening to the on the uh, I'm listening. speaker I'm, I'm listening. or, or what. Okay, that's better. What's going on, okay, brother? Yeah, What's going on, brother? I'm, I'm doing okay, brother Yang. I'm doing all right. I got a, que- uh, I got a question for the brother. What's his name? Brother Z's way. Z's way. Brother Z Z Z's way. Z way. Brother Z way. Now the question is, how do you feel about uh the I mean the black Americans in the, I mean uh the uh, Africans we we uh we unite and cause he, I mean he talked about that back then, but I have met some of the uh, our African brothers and sisters. They have a negative view of us. And some of our, yeah. you know, the people here in America, we have a negative view of of them. Cause see, uh, when they come over here, they show films and make it seem like all of us are violent and everything. And I had to talk to yeah. African brother and say, no, we're not. Not all of us are not like that. I'm sure it's not like yeah. that over there in Africa. We we see films of them landing huts and everything. And I said, no, I know it's cities in in Africa. I knew this. But how do we get that connection with our African brothers and sisters? You know. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, where we can reach our hand, we can reach our hand on this side, and he can reach our hand, and we have that connection. Yeah, you know Malcolm X. Use an example of Malcolm X. When he formed the Organization of African Unity, African American Unity, he formed the first chapter in Lagos, Nigeria, made up of Africans born in America. If you read the resolutions of the organization OAAU. He said explicitly, and if you look at him when he spoke about it, you can get it on YouTube. He said explicitly, we have to make alliances with the people who look like us in the world, especially in Africa. So he said the OAAU must include members who are born in Africa as well as members who are born in the snakes in other places. In order for us to have some political education and break down those barriers those false barriers that have been created between us for centuries. My organization, the All African People's Liberation Party, our focus, our main strategy is to build what is called the Pan-African Mix, work-study circles that are based on a Pan-African Mix. So we focus on recruiting those Africans born on the continent from all the different nation-states that were falsely and the Caribbean, etc. So we have to go through a serious educational process among the masses of our people to break down those false barriers that were created when the Europeans first invaded Africa so they can divide and conquer. See, that's the key. They knew what they had to do was to hate each other over stupid stuff, like I'm from Nigeria, I'm from Angola, I'm from uh, 
Because you go to Africa. So, so they do it like Nigeria. Let me ask you this. It sounds like it sounds like a little bit of like gang banging over here. You mean they actually tell me that they're that divided in in, in Africa with that from the place where they? I'm from Nigeria and I'm from here and I'm from there, brothers. He's like, yes, and then inside of Nigeria you got division. I'm Ebo. Mm-hmm. I'm Yoruba. I'm Hausa. Look at what's going on in Nigeria now. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened in uh, the uh, the uh, the Biafran War. They had the Ebos fighting against the Hausa and the Yoruba. This is the strategy that has been imposed from people from outside, from Western Europe and America, for centuries. Have mm. them fight each other, they conquer. That's what they do. They have us fight. Yeah. So now, you understand that. Once you get the grasp of that one, then you've got to bend over backwards to make sure that our brothers and sisters born on the continent are welcome. And treat it right, and you try to interact with them and understand what they're going through, where they live at, and wherever that is in Africa. The same thing with the brothers and sisters in the Caribbean. You see people, people in the, from the Caribbean, from Jamaica, you hear all this negative stuff about them. Then they hear all this negative stuff about those of us born here. We, as freedom fighters, have to make the unconscious conscious, as Kwame Ture said. We have to get yes, them sir. to understand. We are brothers and sisters. We are African. Because if you look at what happened in Europe, they broke down those tribal barriers and they created nation states, so on, so on, so forth. And now they work together through the European Union and through NATO and go and destroy people in Africa and Asia and other places so they can stay wealthy. I'm sorry, what did you say, sir? No, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, brother. I was going to ask the brother, had had that, um, before I closed his line, he had a little echo with him. Had that answered some of your question, uh, uh, Brother Harold? Yes, that, yes, that, yes. Yes, sir. Well, listen, yes, I'm going to yes, close sir. your line because you have a little echo. If you want to get back in, man, you know, come out of the queue, press one again, and we open up. We'll open up your line. You know, we love hearing from you. and Definitely appreciate the question. This is New right, Black Panther Party, the People's Party. People's Talk Black Nationalist Network. We're on here with our brother Z's way from the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Are going to a little bit on building alliances, the importance of building alliances, and giving us a a detailed revolutionary history of how the, how building alliances work, and and the uh, practical the need for it practically, and 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 how it adds to our solution. Um, yes, I want brother Z's way. Let's let's go to one more line while we have a caller on the line. Because I like to get their input, and this is where we see where they're at. Two one six three five five two. You're on the People's Party, New Black. You're on the New Black Panther Party, the People's Party, People's Talk, uh, with your national spokesman, Chairman Kahab. Your line's open. I mean, Chairman Kahab, Yang and Kruma. I'm just saying. Your line's open. Two one six three five five two. Okay, As-salam. we'll come back to. Oh, well, thank you, Black Power. Uh, this is Brother Akio out of, out of Cleveland. Uh, I, w- I was really just listening, Brother. I, I, I guess my phone uh, queued in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my thing is, Brother, you know, as a nationalist, Brother, uh, I know that we got to build alliances and all that, but, you know, uh, it's like we got to start at a grassroots level, brother. I always say mm-hmm. we got to have our own schools. We got to unbrainwash 
the house that we've been living in. Like everything that's been said is true, but in order to change that, we got to uh, first have our own schools. We got to re-educate, retrain the thought. Because uh, our people do here in America believe, brother, that the white man is the best thing going. The uh, first, thing <laughs> right. our, first thing our people say is, well, you know, y'all talk that black power, but uh, y'all niggas ain't got no job for us. So until we can show that we are not dependent upon the white man and show our people that and educate our people in that thought pattern, because I just use my family as an example just to show you the hard fight and struggle that we have before us. Uh, if I had not taught my children at home about blackness, educated my children at home about blackness, and when they go to the white man institutions or whatever, because, see, my mother and father knew about the white man, but they only gave us a limited amount of understanding. And I tell them, we grew up in this white man house. I mean, we may be black, but goddamn, at the same, excuse my expression, at the same time, we're sending our children to the enemy, but we're not deprogramming them when they come home. So... It's 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 a it's a it's a hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. But you got to mm-hmm. have great love and understanding, and knowing that we battling against this devil, and this devil know just what to give our people to keep us off of loving ourselves. Because we think that we are a part of this culture. And I tell black people every day, brother, it's like this. The white man got two things for us. He wants you to bow and be a servant, or he wants you dead. He don't want you to assimilate. He don't want you to try to try to be a part of his system. He don't like that. But we insist on, because we don't know nothing else, brother. We've been raised mm-hmm. in this house until we raise up our own house, and, and, and my thing is, see, I don't ask for permission. I know what the problem is, and if I don't do nothing but wake up one or two brothers and sisters a day when I get up, I challenge my, my, my grandson and granddaughter, they in the white man institutions. I go there and let them know in the institutions that this is white supremacy, and you're going to have a problem with my children because I done taught mine to love black and to do for black. It's it's a difficult thing, but if we ain't doing that and and we can't show our people that we can give them something better than white folks, we're going to be struggling and struggling. But I know that one day it's going to happen because this white man turning on us right now and he's showing us that he don't have no love, but niggas still want to run to him. Because we don't have nothing else. So we yeah. have to show them we can give them something else. As- can I ask you a question? This is Brother Akil Steven? Yes, sir. Yeah, Brother Akil, I've, I've met you before. Um, now, what you say our house, what do you mean by our house? Uh, just like the white man. We, just, we, we, we were brought up in his house. Well, what is our house? Uh, when I say our house, I mean we got to turn white supremacy like, 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 
our house to me is my, my home and my children have been educated in blackness. They know the white okay. man, they know who the white man is, but they love blackness because their father and mother have taught them to love themselves and to do for themselves. Even though right they're being fed and they got a job with the white man, they still know to take that and flip that into something blackness. You understand? Yeah. That's what I mean yeah. by our house. I understood what right Brother Malcolm and, and what the Nation of Islam means by separate. See, see, the nigga don't want to leave the white man, but it ain't about leaving him. It's about the mindset, the ideology. See, a lot it of people is about blackness. How, how are we going to build our own institutions? How do we build our own institutions if we don't control the land? You ain't got to control the land. You got a mind, brother. You got a mind. You know, Malcolm X said land is the basis of all freedom, justice, and equality. You and got it's, to have the ideology. Yeah, if you don't have your own land, you ain't free. Because everything comes from the land. If our people don't have our own land, we ain't free. Plain and simple as that. But how you going to have land when you can't even think about loving yourself? How the hell are you going to think about land? I think you don't know how to get land if you ain't got no action in your mind to first love yourself. I don't think it's a matter of home. That's a piece of land. I don't think it's a matter of home. Go ahead, bro. Let me jump in here real quick. Yeah, let me jump in here real quick because I don't think it's a matter of either or. I think both of them are a necessity. You know, it it doesn't stop. It's national revo- national revolution. National revolution must evolve to an international revolution. The people have to know their place of origin. The people have to know their heritage. When we go to as a black nationalist, we understand that our, our our ultimate goals, aims, and objective is nation building. So it's only natural to connect to our place of origin, to where we can start import export, where we can start building um, institutions that that teach our origin, that teach our history, that teach our heritage, and that we connect and unite with the people that look like us. Our problem is, you know, we can know ourselves. We can start loving ourselves, which is the first step. Like you're saying, brother, I totally agree. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop there. After people start knowing themselves and start loving themselves and start building a nation, we have to start looking at import, export. We have to start looking at trade. We have to start looking at alliances. And who better to build with than the people that you belong to? Look at what Marcus Garvey did. And I'm Marcus Garvey organization that was, some say, 4 million strong, some say up to 11. He said Africa for Africans, those at home and those abroad. He had economic businesses, going to have a steamship line. He had an army corps. He had a nurse corps, etc. The way he did it was by educating us about our history and culture first. There you go. Right, and so we can do that. That's doable. Once you, he said, once you liberate the minds of men, you liberate the bodies of men. So right. once we liberate our minds through the proper educational process, we could do anything. He said, we could get the land. We and if we can't in the interim while we try to get our own land, we can build institutions in somebody else's land. That's right. It's a part of unity. Right. Exactly. That's all. That's exactly. Yes. 
But Brother Akil seemed to think we can't do it. He said these NIWGAs don't want this, that, and the other. But we could do it. We've done it already. Marcus Garvey did it. That was almost 100 years. He did it. So we got a good example. Let's same thing. And we did it. Let's go to our let's go back to our phone lines and get some more. Brother Akil, was that did you want to make another comment or question, sir? Oh no, brother. Hey, we on the same page. But it's the, uh, I bet you uh, already know. That's right. You, man, you already know. Shit. Exactly. It's all gonna go back to the to the proper ideology. You know, it's like uh some chairman Kaha always right. throws out there, our first line of defense is a proper ideology. Uh, that's right. So let's go connect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm going to go back to our phone lines, man, because our listeners really want to get in. It's uh, very insightful there again. You know, I call sign New Black Panther Party, the People's Party, People's Talk, Black Nationals Network. We got our dear brother Z's way on here from the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, helping us aid us yeah. today in our political education about building alliances. Let's go back to our phone lines, and I thank you for being patient for uh, for holding with us. Uh, 973-5102, you're on the line. Yes, yes, sir. Black Power, man. This chairman every year. Black Power, sir. Chapter. Black Power, oh, man. Black Power, chairman Eric. Yeah, what's up, my brother? You know what I'm saying? I hear a lot of people, they want to talk about economics and stuff like that. And I know economics is key. We definitely need that. But we want to talk about how Black Wall Street was striving, you know what I'm saying, how they came up and got destroyed. And, like, we need to learn from examples because, Libya was our example of a black Wall Street, and it was destroyed. You know what I'm saying? So we got so many examples. Then we got you got people talking about education. You know what I'm saying? Making liberation schools. Like who you think is going to fund our liberation schools? Like you think the white man gonna come out of his pocket to fund that? No, we got to get up off our, you know what I'm saying, behinds and do some volunteering. Even if it's one day of school, like we make so much, we say what we need, but who's gonna actually volunteer and sacrifice? to get these things accomplished. Like, you know what I'm saying? I keep hearing the same rhetoric and stuff like that, but, you know what I'm saying, in my chapter, we, we try to open up a liberation school, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's for one day, you know what I'm saying? When we, get, when we call, connect with the community, you know what I'm saying, get them involved, we can have it open, you know what I'm saying, more, more days a week. But it's like, it's like a whole bunch of just rhetoric. Like, get up, you know what I'm saying, volunteer, get a place, you know what I'm saying, and, and get to school so we can teach our kids because the seed got to be dropped. You know what I'm saying, like 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 Frederick Douglass said, it's easy to build strong boys in the pair broken mist. And I always use Malcolm X as an example as somebody dropping the seed. Everybody know his history about how his family, his mother and father was part of the old Marcus Garvey movement, and that dropped the seed. So when he diverted from that, he came back with the nation of Islam. So we definitely need a school, but we, we don't need to be talking about it. We need to be getting out there, getting the facility, and teaching our kids the best way we can, national and everywhere. That's one place. And I see some people, they want to downgrade the program, just say it's a feeding program. No, it's a liberation school. Sometimes you got to use bait for people just to break them in the door. You can have a solution for them, and they won't come unless you offer them a TV, some food, whatever. But <laughs> It's just crazy. I just want to. I just want to elaborate on that. And second, I want to touch on. You know, so we talk about uh, United Front, but do we really believe that an African monolithic conglomerate is possible with so much splintered groups and so much division between organizations that represent um black power? So 
You want to touch on that, uh, Brother Gene Gray? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the any front issue. But first, in terms of the thing about building liberation schools and all that, we have so mm-hmm. many examples in the past. I'm sorry I didn't mention the old Black Panther Party before. They mm-hmm. had liberation schools. Yes, I just I'm definitely aware of that, sir. Yes. Right. Now, they was able to do all what they did. Marcus Garvey did what he did in the midst of the deep, the Great Depression. Yes, sir. Why was to do it, and why was the Panthers and other groups, there's many groups who did the same kind of thing the revolutionary uh, I'm sorry the Republic of New Africa has done it too what they did was they had certain concepts, certain ideas that appealed to the people the masses of the people, and that goes back to ideology mm-hmm. if you look at the churches the churches, the people will give their last dime and donated to the preacher's box because they believe in certain concepts that the preacher is espousing. Mm-hmm. So it's all a matter of ideology. It's all a matter of what you believe in. Mm-hmm. As poor as people are, they do have the ability to put together their monies and build some great institutions. Mm-hmm. The problem you referred to at first was that how they destroyed the ones that we built. Yes, sir. And that goes back to the question of power. It's about political power. Malcolm X clearly says that. You can't have political power unless you control your own land. In Libya, we had political power in a nation state that was attacked by this worldwide global monster, and that's why they were able to be destroyed, because mm-hmm. the African nation did not support Libya and join with them enough to protect them from that evil beast, that Western alliance. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the Black Panther Party was destroyed because J. Edgar Hoover said the Black Panther Party was the greatest threat to the internal security of the United States. Mm-hmm. They unleashed all the powers they had, economic, political, military, etc., etc., to destroy the Black Panther Party because of the good work it was doing by having liberation schools, free food programs, free breakfast programs, sickle cell anemia programs, all them different programs, they co-opted them. It made it look like they were the ones who started it. Yes, sir. The weight program and everything. Yes, sir. Right. Right on. It's all about political power and all about your ideology. Like you said about ideology, uh, Yanga, that's the Mm -hmm. only... Who do we really have? We don't have the weapons. We don't have the buildings. We don't have lands. Even if you just talk about the United States, we don't have none of them things. But what we do have is ideology. And ideology trumps yes, over all the things. It trumps over weapons, mm-hmm. etc. All the other things, when it comes down to it, the masses will support you. And even if they die, they still support you. Look at what happened in Vietnam. The great United States of America invaded Vietnam after the French got their butt kicked. What was it that led the Vietnamese to be able to push the United States out? Because ideology. With the correct ideology and pointing out to the people, you know, and defeating this great Terry uh, Mike, and they had dropped more bombs in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos than all the other wars previous mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. couldn't beat them 
still couldn't beat couldn't him. Beat. That's the power of technology. Now, when we come to our people, we come to African people who are scattered all over the world, if we promote the proper ideology amongst our people, there's no way they can defeat us. We can put them out of Africa real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Mm-hmm. We, I, you know, so... You know, one of the things even, I wanted to touch on... I'm sorry, go ahead, sir. Yes, and so no, even in the United States, we have to understand this, that the people in the U.S. will support you if you come with the correct ideas the correct ideology, and promoted amongst the masses like Marcus Garvey did, the Black Panther Party did, and others. Republican New Africa did. The Nation of Islam did. That's how that's how uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad got started. He was using African cultural trinkets and stuff to attract the followers until he built up an, an organization. And then when Malcolm came along, he was so great. El Hodge Malik Eshibaz, he was so great at Communicating the, the ten is like the ten point program of the Black Panther Party. The Nation of Islam had their program, and Malcolm was a master at being able to teach that program to the masses. That's how he was able to recruit so many people. It wasn't even about whether you had certain buildings or money. It was about the ideology you was promoting, the program you was promoting. Yeah, I, like, yes, I like that you brought up. I like I like, I like that you brought up the history. But in this day and time, in this, in this era that we live in, what is, like, how how good is our ideology if it's only backed by rhetoric? Like, we, we, we learn examples from the past. So we need to be making a new plan instead of just backing our ideology with rhetoric. Like, so, like, what action are we going to take forth? And when you say we need power, we need land, it's just the numbers. Like, how are we going to unify with people, like you said, people that, Got different ideologies, and sometimes they come with because it plays a part with theology. You know what I'm saying? With people's religious concepts and beliefs. But it's like, we, I really know it's a whole bunch of things we need to tackle. Like, it's just, it's just so much rhetoric. Like, we need, like, you, you, all the examples that you said, was, it was powerful. But those ideologies was backed by action as well. Like, we need to be backing our ideology with action in 2015. You know of course. Like, schools and all that. You know what I'm saying? So. And, like, we already know that every time we try to build, they want to destroy. So, like, if we want separation, how are we really going to get this separation? Like, like come on, man. But. Well, it takes a lot of hard work to do it, yes, but you got to have ideology to guide you through it. Mm-hmm. You do have to. Yeah. You, you know, Kwame Ture told us this. He said, we don't lack unity of action. We lack unity of thought. Yes, mm. We don't lack unity of action. We lack unity of thought. He talked about the situation with Rodney King. When they beat up Rodney King and then they let those those pigs off, our people raised hell throughout the world. You had riots and rebellion as far as Australia, because you got Africans in Australia, right? They was mm-hmm. rioting and rebelling because they didn't like what happened to our people in America. When you had uh, the thing in Ferguson with Mike Brown shot in the street and laid there like a dog for hours, the people in mm-hmm. Africa was having difficulties. Mm-hmm. See? So our people know, and this is, our people have been reacting like this for a couple hundred years. When they see any of our people anywhere in the world get injustice, they don't like it. They do things. They act. The problem we have is that, like Kwame Therese teaches all the time, mm-hmm. we 
action, united action for a week or two, but then we sit down. Go ahead. No, go ahead, brother. I'm, I don't want you, definitely don't want you, I want you to finish your thought, definitely. Permanent action. We got to have, we got to build an organization and a united front. Because, see, one organization ain't going to be able to do it. Okay. Yes. We talk about, yes. Right. System. It's going to take thousands of organizations on the same page mm-hmm. to carry out a program that's going to bring us to liberation. Yes, and if you look at all the, yes, and all the organizations that have made a lot of progress, the bottom line is unity. Mm-hmm. Unity. And, and that's what I wanted that. to touch on. Sure. Go ahead. Be my guest. And, and just want to touch on that and go to our phone lines because this is a hot conversation. Our phone lines are, are lighting up. So, callers, thank you for being yeah. patient. We're about to get down to you. We have your questions and comments for our, our, our special guest, Brother Zizway, from the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. You're listening to New Black Panther Party, the People's Party, People's Talk mm-hmm. Black Nationalist Network, with your host, National Spokesman, uh, Chairman Yanga. But I wanted to add to, in the conclusion, Brother, Chariot, uh, Brother Chairman Prime, um, is also this is the importance of building alliances. I know that a little earlier you had spoken about economics and about funding. The building mm-hmm. alliances is a lot of times, like I was saying in the opening of the show, we take we try to take on a lot of things. Down here in Atlanta, we have FTP movement uh, uh, ran by Brother Kalanji Changa, my man down here. And FTP stands for a variety of things. F the police, fight the power for the people, feed the people. But one of the things he's known for is feeding the is is feeding the people. So it, rather than reinvent the wheel, we form alliance when we go out and do our community service. Then we see how we can aid and assist someone that's already doing that thing. So if you have a liberation yes. school, or if you if there's a liberation school that's already going, instead of you know get we have to get out of this capitalistic competition mentality. How can I aid and assist yes. a progressive black movement? that has a liberation school, that has a people program, that has a defense party, that has a, and how can we come and form this united front? You know, it's too many times we try to get in competition. Who has the prettiest uniform? You know, mm-hmm. our uniforms better than you, but who can do the best trills? You know, who can feed yeah. the most people at one time instead of working together as in, in African communalism, you know, is which what we yeah. push and promote socialism, you know, working towards, towards an African communal understanding. Brother Chairman Prime, I'm going to go down the list, brother. And um, if we get any, you know, get through our callers and everything, we definitely will open your line back up. And we thank you for the call. So let's. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, brother chairman. Say it one more time, sir. Now, if I can only just end it off, I just wanted to quote you know, saying the great Bobby Sizzle is proud. We're not outnumbered. We are organized. And I just wanted to touch mm. on, like, as conscious folks, you know what I'm saying, we understand what we up against. I can understand the people that's not conscious that understand, but what do we have to see? Do we really have to see the gun in our face to realize that we need to unify? But you know what I'm saying? Like like all this all this negativity and and, and, and mess, like it gotta stop, you know what I'm saying? But I, I I understand that comes with the territory. But like I said, we're not out number, we out organized. So with that being that's said, right, yes sir. Yes sir. And we thank you for the call from definitely from Jersey. Chairman Prime, it's good talking to you. And, and brother, I no give problem. you a call just so we can get, get caught up on the personal, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, yes, sir. Yeah. All powers to the black people, power. black power to black, black people. Black power, 
All right, let's go to our let's go to our phone lines again. This is one of my dear sisters right here out of Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, enjoy working with the sister, Sister Nundy. Hello, how are you? African Power. I'm good. I'm good. African Power, sister. I like that, sister. How are you? I'm fine. Um, oh, I, I know a lot of people might not like what I'm about to say. For decades <laughs> after decades, I mean, you know, I got, I got, I'm, I'm gonna speak my mind openly. For decades after hey, decades, I understand. I understand education is very important. It really is. But at this point, I think we need to get up and do something. We got enough resources with inside our homes. We can go through the things that we have, and we are not willing to give up a biased governmental system, meaning being slaves by going to their jobs every day, forcing our children to interact in their educational systems, not addressing the real issues, which is the pig in our communities and the things that the Black Panther Party truly stood for. See, right now, back then it was about grits. Right now it's about bloodshed. And we are at war right now. I'm so sick and tired of everybody getting on here with the rhetoric about education. We can't educate our people when we have been divided in so many different ways with different educational systems that has been critiqued in order to keep us in the Willie Lynch syndrome. We got to get out of that. Once we get out of fear and address these pigs and the things that's happening in our community, then we can bring our people together to educate. They're tired of hearing us talk. All we do is talk, talk, talk. Why is it that we say we don't have resources? When blacks spend $7.5 billion a year on bullshit, we need to go in our closets. We need to stop worrying about our individual selves and get up and put these things in order and put it out here in the community. People don't want to hear us talking no more. They stick up. They don't want to be educated. We are educated. We're seeing black people die every day. We are educated. We're seeing poverty. We're educated to our children being taken shit. We've been educated for 1,261 years. Some of y'all already think slavery doesn't exist. I don't see why. 400 years? Really? Is that what you all think? No. The only thing that they have done is renamed slavery. Now it's modern-day slavery, and it's also black supremacy because we got bootlicking Negroes that want to sit up and talk all day the rhetoric about educating black folks, and black folks don't want to see nothing but change. So unless we are going to be real freedom fighters, Unless we're going to give up all that we have in order to have the land, in order to gain everything, we got to give up these nothings that we have, like these vehicles, all these houses that we in. Some of us got five or six bedroom houses, but their mothers are sleeping in nursing homes. Their children are still stuck in educational systems, but not a black book throughout your household. We need to start somewhere else instead of keep talking about the white man and all this educating and protesting. That's it. It's a protest. They're protesting Africans to see if we're going to get up and do something or if we're going to continue to watch our people's bloodshed in the street. And that's all I want to say. And one more thing, we need to address the judicial system. How can we sit here and talk about police brutality and the murders that are going on in our communities when we clearly see these black Negroes, we don't care no more. These Negroes, these bootlicking Uncle Toms don't care about us. They're shooting first and asking questions later. See, we want to focus all on the white man that's doing the shooting, but we're not focusing on the 50 black men that's standing behind him that's protecting him while he's doing the shooting. So if we're not going to address everything, if we're not going to tell his and her story correctly and stop leaving out our to bite the information that's imperative that is Negroes out here we fighting against, then we won't have any problems. Until then, we need
need to stop talking about education until we're going to educate the nation fully so it can be effective and make change amongst my people. African power. African okay, power. Okay, let me ask you. And I'm a, you yeah, I'm going to let Z's work because you know how I feel on that. So I'm going to be silent on that. So you and I don't be going back and forth. So I'm going to let Brother Z's way speak on that. Let me ask you. You said right, we was at Right, sister. Yes, sir. We, you say we're at war. Is there any army that you know of that don't discuss how they're going to attack somebody when they're at war before they go into action? No, sir. There's no army that doesn't discuss what they're going to do before they go into action. But there's no army also that just don't have any action. We've been okay, discussing well, for a long time, but where's the action? That's what we're looking for. When we start acting upon these things that we're discussing, then you won't have so many people in the African community like myself that's disillusioned and not informed about the true things that are happening in our community. So we can talk about action all day. Now, we understand that when you're at war, you do have to have a plan on how you're going to win a war. Because when you go into a war against somebody, you can't go in that half cock. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have people trained, and you got to have people politically educated. Now, what you was talking about the educational system sounds like you was talking about the enemy's educational system. Those of us who are organizing for revolution, we know that we have to politically educate our people outside of the enemy's educational system. And political education. In the All African People's Revolutionary Party, we have what is called a work study process. No word, work is first, and study is second. What we say is that doing the work of the revolution is number one. Study is second, and the only way you can be educated is through theory and practice, with the practice being primary. So anybody who's a real revolutionary they know they have to do organizational work and study in order to be educated. In the enemy school system, what they do is have the students come into the class and fill their head with a bunch of ideas, and they have to have memory, what is called rote memorization. That is not education. That's not political education anyway. But when you try to free a people... You have to politically educate them about their current reality because, like Harriet Tubman said, I would have freed a thousand more if they knew they was in slavery. They got so many of us so brainwashed, we think we're free. Is that correct? Okay, now I would like to speak. I never said, first and foremost, I never said that educating our people weren't. Excuse me, sir. I gave you your opportunity. Can I have my opportunity to speak? I never said that educating our people wasn't important. That's not what I said. Let me clear up what I said. Educating our people are important, but right now, right now, excuse me, sir, can I please speak? I was very respectful. Can we be respectful? Nobody's saying anything, man. Nobody's saying anything. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe we maybe we echo, and I apologize, sir. 
What I'm saying is this. I never said that education wasn't important. We do have to educate our people. But when we're living in a biased system that has a lot of things that are separating us right now, we can sit up here all day and talk, but five minutes after we talk, they're going back out here into the same biased system that's educating them differently that causes confusion. What I'm saying is this. If we take a stand like the other Panthers did, start to provide the resources, start to do things that are beneficial for our people so that they can see that we have not only um, um, education systems over here, but a governmental system and some type of security for our people. I'm not trying to be funny, but the police ain't organizing why they're killing my black people out here. They're just shooting and killing us right now. So at the end of the day, while we're organizing 20, 30 seconds, a brother's being killed by an officer or some type of bias tactic of this system. So I understand what you're saying about educating our people, but I think you all underestimate our people. I think that's some type of way why our nation isn't built. Because a lot of our people are educated and they're very well aware of what's going on out here and they're fighting everywhere. But when we are not stepping up and trying to um, organize and give some type of security, some type of foundation, and show them that there is a black nation and there's change over here in order for them to separate themselves from this judicial, governmental, and legislative system, then we ain't leaving our people out there to hang themselves. So I understand what you're saying, but we can talk all day. We're educating right now, but at the end of the day, is it not a black brother somewhere being murdered right now, unjustly being convicted right now, or some type of way being railroaded by a system? So we can educate our people once we separate it and build our own nation and build our own organization in order for us to educate our people according to how black people should be educated. And that's all I'm saying. Okay, can I say something now? Sure. Yeah, you respond, and I'm and, and and I'm gonna bring. Let me let me. I'm gonna let you respond, brother Zivale. But we're gonna bring our national chairman in on the uh, conversation, Chairman Carr. Chairman Carr. Uh, yeah, uh, with a uh, uh, black. Pop. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm uh, on, on on walking through the community now, and just seeing a police cruiser pull up. Two get out the car, going into a household where some brothers standing. And uh, they spoke, and I stood and looked at them and seeing what's happening. So I'm walking okay. through the community, seeing what we're talking about is a reality right now, and uh, people's on the porch looking. So uh, continue with the program, and I'm going to just observe, see what's happening in the colony okay. that we call community. Okay. Yes, sir. Brother, Brother D, what you want Yes. Now, Brother. what I was trying to say is a question about the fact that most of our people think we're free. And that's reality. When the Black Panther Party was doing their thing, the original Black Panther Party, most of the people would turn in members of the Black Panther Party to the police. In other words, what I'm saying is that if you get the mass of people who are not politically educated, they think you are the enemy. They'd be against you because they identify with the enemy. They identify with the slave master, so to speak, if they're not properly educated politically. So in that sense, most of our people think they're free now, and if you go out with a program where you try to get them to understand that we're under oppression, we ain't free, you know, like when Mike Brown got killed, you found a whole lot of Africans talking about he should have did this, he should have did that. Or when that brother, Tamir, in Cleveland, he shouldn't have had the toy gun. Or, you know, college example. Of these people who got killed, you'll find out all people defending these police. Right? Mm-hmm. So our people are so misguided and stuff 
they want to defend the, these enemies of ours, murderers of ours, against our own people. And if you get out here trying to organize them and everything, you got to have them politically educated so that they support your program. The Panthers managed to do that after a certain period of time because they were able to produce. They had production. They fed children. They clothed children. They had liberation schools, etc. So any organization we have has to show that they can produce certain things. And it's been done many times before in the past, from as early as Marcus Garvey, all the way up to the old Black Panther Party, all the way to the Nation of Islam. People have done that. So to me, the system makes it seem as though ain't nobody doing no work. But there's a lot of organizations that are doing work. It's just that mm-hmm. these organizations don't have enough power. That's where this whole thing about the United Front comes into play. Building alliances and coalition comes into play. Because, like you said, Yanga, one organization might be concentrating on freeing political prisoners. One organization might be concentrating on giving people food. One organization might be concentrating on health care. Another one might be concentrating on something else. You got to get all these different entities that are doing these different things and support them in their efforts, and then get you get them to support you in your efforts. And that's what a coalition is all about. Because yeah. all these yeah. different groups fight for all these different issues. They have a common thing they are against. That's what a coalition is. You find something that you're against, and you get all these groups together. A united front is a little more tightly organized. A united front is an organization that agrees on certain principles and objectives to achieve. Like an African United Front, all the folks who um, call themselves Africans or black in the U.S., if they agree that we need to do X, Y, and Z, they have to meet, they have to have an educational process among themselves, etc., so that we can achieve a certain goal. Like if we want to boycott and bring these folks down, these organizations are going to have to do some work together, get to know each other, et cetera, so that that kind of stuff can be done. On a higher yes, level sir. than that, you have organization. And when you have mass organization, that's the highest level of organization because at that point you try to get all the people involved in the liberation of your people. And in that point you also have alliances to that mass organization, coalitions, et cetera, who work with you because, like we said earlier, this is a global enemy. No one organization can defeat this enemy. Just like Kwame Nkrumah said at his Independence Day speech, he said, the independence of Ghana is meaningless unless it's tied to the independence of the whole of Africa. And then later on he said that no African nation can defeat and survive on their own. This enemy is going to pick you off one by one and isolate you. And they did not listen to what Kwame Nkrumah said. He said this way back in 1957, all the way up to 1962, before they formed the OAU. That if we don't unify now, they're going to pick us off one by one. And that's exactly what they did since he made the speech when he called for the building of a central government for the whole of Africa. And I'll rest my point there and then. Let's, and, and let's get right. And, and Sister Nunn, we definitely thank you for the call. I'm going to keep what I'll do is just if you want to get back in and say something, go to the phone line and make sure we get everybody. But if you want to make another comment or, or question, just put yourself back in the queue and I'll recognize you. African Power System. 
So we go just to let's she, go to where you say, brother Z's was just about what she said. She said African power. Yeah, that's a hell of a statement. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, she yeah, she gets down for what she knows. You know, she she definitely she definitely hold on, and she on you know on the African empowerment. Let's go to our phone lines, and I believe this is my sister uh, information here, who's definitely about to get this promotion, man. Doing doing the work, brother Black Sun. Hey, how you doing, Black Power, everybody? Black Power. Hey, um, what I want to say is what Africanism. Man. I'm sorry, say that again. I said Black Power, born to Pan-Africanism. Kwame Kuma wrote a book, and Kwame Kuma said this. He said. Pan-Africanism is the highest form of black power. Black power. The highest aspiration of black power. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that's why I say black power and forward to Pan-Africanism. And for our brothers and sisters who don't know, you can find that in our in our information doctrine. It definitely said the highest form of, of black power, the highest aspiration of black power is revolutionary Pan-Africanism. Uh, so that's definitely, yeah. if we're doing our studies, we definitely, we definitely understand that because that's in our a political information packet, the People's Party, New Black Panther Party. But brother, son, man, what's what's good, man? You on the um, highlights, brother? Tell us something good. Questions or comments? Well, based on uh, the observation, I definitely agree 100% about coalition building. Um, also, I want to take it a step further. I think, um, I think we as black people, we want a nation so bad that we get on here once a week and we try to cram everything. Together, and, and I'm glad you, you, you made a good point because me, I have no interest in beating a homeless. However, I do want to handle these pigs. So I think we need a different theme every night because we are all on different levels trying to cram everything. We're trying to get black nationalism out there. And, it's, you know, what I think, you know, it's just like a university. You have different classrooms. You have different themes. You have different levels. And so in order to... Uh, progress as a nation, we're going to have to do that. One night deal with health, one night deal with military, one night deal with economics, and whoever's good in those fields needs to deal with that. Me, the only interest I have is dealing with these pigs. That's it. I have tunnel vision. I have no interest, like I said, in nothing else. Economics, I have no interest in. Goddamn, being homeless, I have no interest in. You know what I'm saying? Health and wellness, I have no interest in. My interest is handling these goddamn pigs. That is my only interest. So I think there needs to be different levels for different interests. You know, because if, you know, if we try to cram everything every night, I'm hearing about people debate this and they that. I'm getting sick of it. I think we need different things for every night. If we're going to be serious about nation building, that's how we're going to have to handle this. We're going to have to handle different things because you know, I think we're trying to force each other all to be on certain levels. There's just certain levels that I'm not going to be interested in. Not that I can't achieve it, I'm just not interested in it. You know what I'm saying? So I agree with what was said earlier. We need to get with organizations already feeding the people, like FTV, Kalanji. He's already feeding people. So get with Kalanji. Get with Big A. They're already doing that. Like I said, Black Sun, I want to handle these pigs by any means necessary. That means the list Citizens Review Board. That means, God dang, whatever, any means to deal with these pigs, that's what Black Sun wants to do. So my question to everybody is, what are the agendas? I want to know the agendas from A to Z. I think that's why I said I think we should split up because I want to know what the agenda is so I can start knocking out these agendas that I'm interested in. 
as a black national. I haven't got any agendas from anybody. So I want agenda. So there should be a 10-platform agenda for the military, 10-platform for the economics, 10-platform for the health and wellness, everything that it is to function a nation, we need a 10-point agenda. And every week we come back to see how far of a progress we have made with those agendas. And like the brother said, there's a lot of organizations already doing this. Like me and Yang, we had dealt with an organization called Copwatch. Okay, I'm going to work with Copwatch because I like their formation. I'm not going to try to reinvent what they're doing. They already have a set of plans where they're filming the cops, and just in case the cops get crazy with them, they have what they call a sniper cam. Well, I call it a sniper cam. They don't call it, but I call it a sniper cam. They already have that foundation in place. So, yes, work with these organizations already doing. Let's not reinvent the wheel because I don't have time for that. I want to get things accomplished. So let's make a 10-point agenda. So I can start accomplishing this then. I want to be in the deal with the goddamn pigs, goddamn agenda. That's what I'm on. So black power. Black power. Thank well, you. let me and I'm and, and I'm gonna let Brother Zizway come in there. And I and we got a national chairman on the line. But I want to you know say this for the People's New Black Panther Party. That's one of the that's one of the purpose of departmentalization. In the party, there are various departments, and like our chairman that's teaches right. us, he he says that. Each de- each department head, each minister of that department is the chairperson. The minister of defense, our defense minister, is the chairman of the defense department. His specialty, his goals, his objectives, his aims, his vision, and all that should be on the defense of not just the party, but of the whole black um, populace, the whole African populace here in America, and specifically and particularly in the locale that he inhabits, in his city, basically. So we have when you find people, this is why we're compartmentalized and, and departmentalized. So when we have these people coming in, when we do our interview processes, we understand their strengths and we stick them in there. I'm going to have people that come in, and like you said, uh, brother, son, minister, son, they're going to come in, and their their thing is going to be they work with computers. Well, of course, I'm not going to put them in the PDF. I'm not going to put them in the Panther Defense Forces because they don't want to jump out of the trees, which is you know one of our uh, more elite forces. Out, not just the knowing the mandatory basic physical fit, fitness requirements you have to have to be a, a, in the Panthers, but also for those people that want to go above and beyond, we have a division for that. For those people that want to be do information, we put them up under you in the information department. For the people who are more health inclined, who have a, uh, have an aptitude for you know healing and helping people and serving people in the health, uh, more in the health venue or in the health wise, then we put them in the Department of Health. So I'm saying that that this is why we have the departments, and this is why we're bro- we're broke into those mechanisms of community, defense, economic, and political. Brother Zizway, uh, did you want to say something? Then, Brother Chairman uh, Kahar, we're going to come to you right after that. And callers, thank you for being patient. We're going to get to back to our callers too. But Brother Zizway, did you have something that you want to add to that? I want to thank the brother for asking the question. Uh, he is a very good question. Kwame Nkrumah says. Seek- First, the political kingdom, and everything else will follow. So the first thing we need to understand is that everything is political, and that's right. Your politics is what guides everything. Your politics, what politics means is that your ideas and how you're going to implement them and put them into practice. And so part of our politics, the most important part of our politics is our ideology once again. We said before, our ideology is the only weapon we got. 
What is ideology? First of all, what is ideology? Ideology typically is your way of life, and it's based on certain principles that you live by. Now, we talked before about the Nation of Islam had a program. The Black Panther Party had a program. Malcolm X had a program for the OAU before he was assassinated. So you make your ideology explicit through a program for your organization. So if we agreed that ideology is our only weapon and we agree that our politics, which is what our ideology is, expresses our politics, then when we put ideology, you go by those principles in your ideology to achieve certain objectives. Some organizations believe that economics is the primary issue, like we said. Some believe that other things are the primary issue. But like Malcolm said, we believe that in the AAPRP and other organizations that political power is the most important thing. And how do you gain it? That's right. To having a clear ideology. Mm-hmm. Clear ideology. And Malcolm X said this real good. said that somebody got a lot of noise going on on their phone. Excuse me. He yeah, said that, I mean, a lot of background noise. Right. He said that out of all our studies, history is best able to reward our research. When you, when you develop ideology, it's based on your history and your culture. If we're going to have ideology, it's got to be based on African history and culture. Kwame Kruger yep. says that when you study history, you have to have the correct interpretation of history, and that history is a pointer to the correct ideology. So now, if we understand all that and agree with all that, when we study history and see what happened to us to put us in the boat we're in, we can see that the biggest aspect in our history that destroyed African society was the enslavement of our people and the destruction of our right. own civilization, right? Kwame Ture yes, used to say to us, he said that all civilizations go from small social aggregates to larger social aggregates. That is, they go from the family to the clan to the tribe to the nation. This is a process that is true among all peoples. This happened in Europe. It started from families to clans to tribes and nations. The native people, same thing. What happened in Africa was the process was interrupted by the invasion and the enslavement and the colonization of our people. Mm. Now, let's, once we understand I'm sorry. That, right. The, 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 the greatest factors that destroyed African civilizations was the invasion and enslavement the colonization of our people, then we create an ideology that corrects those things that will happen to our people. Mm. So our yeah. first focus on unifying our people. It also must focus on establishing the culture of our people. In other words, we need to have the creation of a new African personality through our ideology. And so these are the things that Marcus Garvey tried to do. This is what Malcolm tried to do. This is what Paul Robeson tried to do. This is what C.L.R. Davis tried to do. 
This is what Martin Delaney tried to do. All these people was doing it, those very same things through the organizations that they created. Mm. And unfortunately, they didn't get they got so far, and it's up to us, the new young people, the new generations, it's our job to take it a step further than it, than it got in the past, than it got when Libya was doing what it was going to do for our people, than it got when the OAU was created and Kwame Nkrumah and them created that and what Malcolm X did. we got to take it a step further and take it to the point, now it's just a question of, we had to take it to the point where we created the United States of Africa and then Unified Socialist Africa. That's the next phase of development. And that's why these Pan-African Congresses that's going on in Africa, that should be the number one topic on their agenda. Any organization in the United States of America, that should be the number one topic on their agenda. How are we going to tra- how are we going to achieve, achieve unification of our people worldwide, not just in America, not just in the Caribbean? We passed that. We should be well past that stage. We should be talking about worldwide unification, a worldwide African United Front, because the enemy is global. And if you look at these ways, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't mean to interrupt, man. I, I, I follow. One of the things that I do like to do is let the, the callers definitely get in and, and get some questions I'm, in, and we have to, our phone lines coming up, and we're coming up on our last thirty minutes. And with with, with, with this, it just shows that we're well, going to have to have you back. Right. You know, I could talk all day about. Hey, man, we, we could listen all day. <laughs> we could listen all day. You. Again, you're listening to the People's Party, New Black Panther Party, the People's Network, Black Nationalist, the People's Talk, Black Nationalist Network, with your host, a national spokesman, Yanga Nkrumah, uh, with our special guest, man. I mean, giving it up. Brother is giving it up tonight. Brother Zizwe with the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. We have our national chairman on. Chairman Kahar, you've been silent for the night. Did you want to um, add something real quick before we go to the, go back, go to the phone line? Oh, yes. Uh, one is that uh, I'm sorry that I uh, got on uh, late, but I was listening uh, on it on the train, and then I catch a bus, and I had to walk. But all of it good. Uh, one is that uh, uh, Brother uh, Malcolm Garvey and all of the comrades and sisters of uh, black nationalism, rebels that black nationalism, rebels that pan Africanism say you organize locally, but also look nationally, look international. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that when we talk about alliance and coalition, I want to do this real quick. When we deal with alliance, and this is one of the things, one of the problems that we had uh, and we still having to deal in this country, coalition is basically temporarily. We deal with coalition around uh, politicians who we're going to get in to be mayor or president. Uh, we deal with police brutality. We deal with housing. We deal with unemployment. And we deal with that coalition is when people come together to deal with immediate issues. But when we deal with alliance, alliance is long-term. Alliance can be permanent. And this we spoke earlier about uh, the NATO alliance and the United Nations. Uh, this is when uh, the European and the NATO come together to maintain European power, which is imperialism and white supremacy. So when we're talking about dealing with alliance and coalition and on the radio program, I'm seeing some of the things and some of the effects of it. 
how do we agree to disagree? The other thing, what is the interest of our alliance and the coalition? Is the interest of our group personally? Or is the interest of the race? Or is the interest of the alliance? So we got three in one. The interest of our organization role in building alliance and coalition uh, is the people first, which we're asking the people, and is the alliance important? The other thing is that we have to come to a common terms, the common interest. When we get into alliance, some uh, organization might say the issue is land. Some organization might say, no, the issue is, is uh, politics, getting in black governors, getting in black males, getting black people police. So where do we come in and deal with those interests? One is, we, number one, got to have patience. Number two, that we have to have not only the patience, but we have to have the wisdom and knowledge they understand that we got to move the people stage by stage. I'm saying that all of us on the phone did not come out of the womb saying black power. We didn't come out of the womb saying pan-Africanism. We didn't come out of the womb saying black nationalism. Somewhere down the line, that was stage by stage by stage to move us forward. And so we get to the point now we feel that, well, my way is the only way. My philosophy is the only way. My ideology is the only way. And so now what that happened is usually in coalition and ideology, uh, excuse me, in co- uh, coalition and alliance, end up bringing about split. And these type of movements, there are three type of uh, uh, people that is in this movement. I want to do this real quickly. Number one, those who will go all the way with you, and that's a struggle. Then you got those who will go part of the way with you, and then you got those who will sit on the fence and watch you. So how do we go about developing an alliance? We don't have many coalitions. And I'm saying, why I'm saying this, we had the Million Man March. And out of that came the local LOC. But the people didn't have the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom of the organization and how it worked, the uh, science of bringing our people together with a philosophy that deal with us as a people. We had in Cobra. We're still working with us. In Cobra, we had NDIP, the National Political Organization, that became a final state wanted uh, independent party. But there was no revolutionary formation in there because there was no revolutionary strong cadres in there that was able to hold a patient and have a consistency. When everything ain't going my way, I don't want to be part of it because we don't have the patient and the consistency to build stage by stage. And I say it again, we didn't come out the womb saying black power. We didn't come out the womb and saying uh, black nationalism. There's a stage of development, a stage of development, even in our movement, and people say, well, uh, brother, you talking about it, it's too late. It's never too late. As long as the generation, as long as there are babies and sisters and brothers are being born, we believe in formation. And our movement is a generation movement, one generation to another generation. It's the first generation, and this is where the Panthers, and the third development. And I was there. We felt that the revolution was going to be overnight. And when counterintelligence and surgeons came against us, then we fell back and we said, hold it a minute. Now we got a generation that we're saying, well, they ain't with us. No, this is a generation after them. They having babies. There's another generation. So we have to have a consistency. Now, to add to the question of education, education is very important. There has not been any revolution. You show me. Bring it to me where there had not been any revolution where the fighters go into a village or go to a city and not political side, the brothers and sisters come in the cities. 
This is why the enemy goes into the village and the city and destroys the people because they call them sympathizers. Sympathizer means future revolutionary fighters. Why? Mm. Because they've been political educated. They've been political understanding that we are out there fighting for the liberation, and they know that the only way that we can fight for the liberation, if I have to take shelter, I can't run and hide in the Klan's territory. I can't run and hide in the uh, white supremacist territory. I got to find shelter among my own people. I got to find shelter in the village. I got to find shelter in the community. Why? Because they have been politicized. They have been educated to understand the enemy. And we feel that they ain't where we at. The enemy will bring them where we at. We talk about police brutality. They organize. They ain't doing what they don't know what they're doing. They know that they haven't given order to suppress, to terrorize, to maintain, and to colonize brothers and sisters in the community. Now, end this by saying this, and then we open up to the line. And I must say this. That's why yes, the flexibility and discipline and building a line and building coalition that the cadres, those who understand the political science, they understand the science of revolutionary black nationalism, the science of pan-Africanism, we must be the most flexible, solid, consistent, disciplined soldiers in any coalition, in any alliance to maintain that. And what is the problem of the alliance? Like a political education, like a dedicated cadres, and lack of revolutionary organization formation inside the coalition. So I say that by that. We can march, and we sure we can get a million. Then we came back with a million more. We came back with a million youth. We came back with a million women. We came back with a million this. We came back with a million that. We brought yep. people together in the coalition, but we didn't get an alliance out of that. Our time is coalition. We can be on any coalition, but we must have an alliance. And in alliance, there's a department, there's a military department, there's an economic department, there's a, a, a propaganda department. All these departments must come to the level of professionalism and taking care of the apartment. And that is where we are now, moving our movement to a professional level and Everybody don't know everything, and this is why we have a collective leadership, and this is the problem. When we build alliance, if we have a collective leadership, we got to be careful about jealousy in, in this. You know, we have to worry about that. So when we fight the enemy, know the enemy, when we talk about know the enemy, the first thing we got to know. You got to echo, Jennifer. We have to know, yes. It's the first thing that we have to know. The enemy within us, Black Power. Yes, sir. Black Power, let's go to these phone lines because we're running down in our last 25 minutes, and this is People's Talk, to find out where the people at. Thank everyone for patiently holding. Uh, we see you. I see you, um, Sister Nanny. I see you. I got you on there. I want to go. I had a caller that's been holding. Uh, Mississippi, we see you on the line. Just hold tight for us. I want to go to this caller, 832-1111. One eight. This is New Black Panther Party, the People's Party, People's Talk of Nationalist Network. The line's open. Black Power and Peace, family. Black Power and Peace. All right. Uh, my name is Brother Wood Fall, calling out of Houston. And uh, yes, sir. First off, I want to start. I want to start off saying the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And uh, you know. 
you know, I love my people too much to see us go, you know, over and over in a circle. You know, uh, like the brother mentioned earlier, you know, you got a lot of brothers, you know, we bringing a lot to the table at one time. It's like we 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 over pressuring ourselves, you know, and it's just my opinion. You know, but um it's like I would rather see us move forward and get all on one accord instead of, you know, it seems to me as if we all kind of scattered all over the place. You know, and we working, you know, we working towards a movement, but we all on different accords with what we're doing with each other. You know, and um, I just rather, I love my people too much to see us keep going in this same circle because we jumping out the skillet back into the frying pan, as my grandmother would say, if we're going to keep going in that same circle. Black power, that's all I got to say. Black power, we're going to go to the phone lines. And, 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 and wise, and definitely wise words, you know, but, and, and, and go, and um, I'm going to get a couple more of these calls, and I'm going to let your brothers finish it out with questions. So if you can write down and remember some of these comments, brother, these way, Chairman Carr. Um, and definitely wise words from the brother, but this is where we go back, the importance of ideology. And like Chairman Kahal was teaching us, uh, was speaking on the importance of working not just alliances but coalitions with one another and knowing our end game and getting rid of the uh, jealousies and the, the, the supremacist mentality of thinking our way is the only way that we're going to have uh, the salvation for our people. Let me hear Mississippi one time because Mississippi been holding, and we're going get, to get you, dear sister. 601 eight seven four nine. Your your mic is open. Black power. Black power, sir. Black power. All right. Uh first I want us to uh, say um Islam Lakin to some of my brothers out there, all my brothers out there, may peace be on to you. Um and I want us to try to basically get on to this uh, subject of a black united front. Um you know it's been a um a strong subject here uh, especially in, in Mississippi, of trying to formulate a black united front. And, and one of the problems I, I feel that our people have is a clouded understanding of what that really means. And, you know, everybody was trying to conform. Uh, you know, if we look at the movie, we go back to the movie Roots, where the brother, brother, um, was sitting in the woods, he was running away from the slave mass. He met up with another brother. He said, Asalaamu Alaikum to the brother. The other brother said, No, brother, I'm from a different tribe. You know, we got also remember we come from different tribes. We brother comes from a different tribe. But what we're doing here in this day and time is trying to form like take these different tribes and come come together as a one tribe, you know what I'm saying? And you know, and formulate your plan to defend ourselves against the so called enemy that is in front of us as well as uh, the enemy within. So, you know, I feel, you know, that, you know, it, it would have to be, to be uh, solved in a certain amount of time, you know what I'm saying, we're going to have to do something a little different, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, we have, yes, you know, we had the Million Man March, yes, we had all that, yes, like Brother Carl was talking, you know what I'm saying? But Tim was telling the truth, this is what we're going on, bringing truth to power. But the thing is, it's past that. Let's do some action. Let's make something come together by, you know what I'm saying, listen, man, I'm going to formulate this school. I'm going to formulate this plan, but I'm going to put this plan together the right way where, you know what I'm saying, where you can put your two cents in. I put my two cents in, and, you know, two plus two makes four. You know what I'm saying? Instead of we having just one cent, now we have four. We didn't have four two minutes, but you when you put your piece in and my piece in, now guess what? We formulated great intelligence. 
But see, that's what is going on with our people out here. So, you know, I just want to make that, you know, known and, you know, and let people know, you know, there is a solution. And I feel, you know what I'm saying, and it, it just, we just have to be able to listen and keep our ears open. You know, stop being like, you know, a crown in it. And the Bible says, you know, deaf, dumb, and blind. Oh, yeah, dead from the head up, neck up. You know what I'm saying? We got to, you know, keep our ears open. You know what I'm saying? And, and take that mind, you know what I'm saying? And just open our heads up and be able to see that. Because, you know, we keep on trying to be persistent on other subjects against what we're losing ourselves. Black yes, Power. Sir. Yes, sir. Black Power, we thank you. We're going to take our, we're going to take our, 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 our last call and we're going to leave the last. Um, Sister Nanny, if we can kind of hold our comments down to maybe about three or four minutes, and I want to give the brothers five to six minutes, Brothers Ezra and Chairman Kahar, with some closing the whole, you know, to bring a, put a cap on the tonight's program. And I promise my listeners, we're going to bring this back. We're going to, you know, we're going to revisit this subject, man, because we're getting a lot of, a lot of response, a lot of great comments, and a lot of participation. Sister Nanny, your line is open. Okay, thank you. I'm going to be very brief. I wanted to speak on something that was said earlier about um, it's too many of us think that we're free people. We are free people. We don't have to be freed people. And if we're revolutionaries, then this bias system does not apply to us. So if their laws and their system does not apply to us, how is it possible that we are not free people? Land is free. It's just that we have to reclaim it. None of these enemies has came in and taken anything. Some of us just deserted our land, and they moved in, and they foundated themselves. So once we get rid of fear, I think then we'll be able to understand what being truly free is all about. It's a lot of people, however we know, has not experienced being free people because they're still caught up in a bias system with their education, judicial, and a number of other things. But those that are free people that understand what true revolutionary tactics is all about will be able to bring our people um, into those type of things and, and foundate a big nation in order for us to understand that their nation, their laws, and the United States of America is an illusion. It's not a foundation. And I, I just wanted to say one more thing. A lot of people have quoted Malcolm X tonight, but you all have missed one powerful quote that the brother Malcolm X has said. There is definitely no revolution without bloodshed, and right now the only bloodshed that I see is the African-American nation being destroyed. African power, sir. Thank you. African power. All right, let's go to our uh, let's go to our high panel and 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 being polite, us being the host, Chairman Kahar, we should let our let our guests go first in closing comments. But these way, you got seven or, seven or eight minutes, and uh, we would definitely Thank like you. some closing things. We had the brother from Mississippi say, you know, talk about the United Front, Sister Nunny, you know, yeah. the, the statements she just made and other comments. We would love to hear your remarks and comments in 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 the closing in in your closing. Okay, yeah. Uh, first of all. Uh, Africans all over the world are being shedding blood all over the world. Six million people in the Congo since 1996. It ain't just African Americans that shed blood. Our people are shedding blood all over the world right, in great numbers. And so uh, we have to think globally in terms of the African struggle. To be free, you should be able to feed, clothe, and house yourself. Is there anywhere in the world that we can do that? I don't think so. We can't feed ourselves. We can't take care of ourselves health-wise. Nowhere in the world. So that means we ain't free if we can't do any of them things. We don't control our own land. Now, the thing about the uh, what the brother said earlier in regard to uh, us being all on different agendas and all that stuff, 
one of the things we have to learn is that we have to have faith in the masses of the people. The masses are the makers of history. One of the things that we have been taught is that the masses can't do this. They, they all this negative stuff about our people's ability to do things. And this is what is lacking amongst even the leading freedom fighters is that their proper political education about the history of, of our people. Our people have made tremendous strides in the midst of being in chattel slavery and wage slavery. We've made tremendous strides. When you study the history, you have a proper interpretation of that history. When you look at what happened in Haiti, when you look at what happened in Africa, the independence movements, when you look at the ability to put a million-plus people at the Million Man March in Washington, D.C. See, so we have to focus on the positive aspects of our struggle, the gains in our struggle, as opposed to focusing on the negative stuff and the fact that we have to be patient, like Brother Abdul Kahar says. Achieve freedom overnight takes time. So we have to have faith in our people. We have to have the correct interpretation of history. And once we get that stuff established among enough hardcore cadre, it'll be no problem in implementing the objectives of the African Revolution, which, of course, must be, number one, unification on a worldwide scale, an African United Front, and even in our party, what we're trying to do is we're trying to merge the revolutionary Pan-African organizations to build one big, gigantic organization for the liberation of Africa. That's the highest level. And then the African United Front is the next level. And then on the next level after that, build coalitions worldwide, like I mentioned earlier, about the organization in solidarity with the peoples of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And in the United States, we do the same thing. You have a coalition with the people of different nationalities, like with the native people, the so-called Indians, the Puerto Ricans. You had the, uh, the the Lords in New York City back in the 60s working with the Black Panthers, and it was tremendous. So we had to revisit that kind of stuff again in the United States and worldwide, and it could be done. We just had to get a group of people who are going to carry it out, communicate with these other groups. And um, we've already started that process. Uh, Brother Chairman Abdul Kahar and I talked to leaders of the American Indian Movement this past weekend, and they love it. They're all for it. So we're going to try to put together this thing nationwide with Black Lives Matter, American Indian Movement, AAPRP, New Black Panther Party, all black, and try to create a united front among the Africans in this country and a coalition among all the other groups of different nationalities and issues like Stop the War Coalition and the Environmental Coalition, etc. So those are some of the things I think need to be done uh, within this struggle. And the main thing is that, like Abdul Kahar said, we must have patience among our people. We must have an undying love for our people. We must have faith in our people's ability to attain freedom and make all these great achievements. And I'll end it right there. Right on. Right on. Chairman Carr. Thanks for letting me participate. Yes. Uh, one is freedom means responsibility. Free ain't nothing. Ain't such thing as free. Freedom is responsibility. And freedom is two words, free and dawn. 
dome is the top of your head. This is why in the White House they have the dome where the law is made up under called the Capitol. In your cities, your city councils, uh, your uh, 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 states, they have they call dome. Dome is symbolic yeah. representing the top of your head. The simple meaning, freedom lies with your understanding. So many of us we don't know what freedom means. We mean freedom means to run rapid. Freedom means to destroy and disrespect each other. With freedom, brother, you can't tell me, man, I'm free. No, freedom is the understanding. And this way said it, uh, if we don't have a, a revolutionary culture understanding, a revolutionary pan-African, is a black national culture understanding, we think our freedom means that we can do anything that we want to do. No, freedom ain't that. Freedom is responsibility. The other thing is that I definitely want to say and it's very important. The first target, the first thing that counterintelligence program says, stop the unification of revolutionary black nationalism. Why does they stop the unification, stop the coalition, stop the alliance? They're not worried about individual opinions. They're worried about collected opinion. Collected is where we stand. United we live, divided we die. And they understand that united we're going to live. And so they understand that my job is not to worry about the individual opinion. My job is worried about whether the masses of people will listen at that and collectively come together. Once again, it takes a spark to start a forest fire. The fire don't That's start right. the spark. The fire don't start the spark. The spark starts the fire. So right now, the United States government got a lot of forest rangers out there, a lot of Negroes out there, forest rangers looking for the spark. And they want to put out the spark because the spark is an individual spark. So every individual that is out there that is on this program tonight, you are a spark to bring about the forest fire. They're going to destroy white supremacy. They're going to destroy uh, in, imperialism and racism and all this foolishness. But you are the spark. Everybody on the program tonight is one spark. And when you try to put a whole lot of spark around you, you're going to get burned. Because sooner or later, those sparks are going to unite and they're going to set up a fire. And all I got to say, we got the spark. But we got to learn how to disagree and agree. Agree and disagree. For the patient and the consistency, any organization and people on the phone tonight and on the radio tonight, I can say one thing, and you can say it to yourself, you would not be on here if you didn't have interest in whether we're going forward or whether we're going backward. So your interest in coming into this program and being involved with this program shows one thing, and it shows that we have concern, but the biggest enemy is not those who are out there, the oppressor, the racist. The biggest enemy is ourselves until we come together and deal with those germs that they planted in us from the plantation, those germs that are planted in us until we get rid of those germs and unite them on ourselves just to thought of they knowing that we're building an alliance, just the thought they knowing we're building a coalition, just the thought that they knowing that we're building a united front. Send fear through them, but as long as they know we can get out here and we can intellectualize our lives, we can intellectualize to the sunset, they ain't worried about that. They're worried about is when that spark starts a fire. And that fire is the alliance, 
the coalition, the United Front, or revolutionary black nationalism, and you can't have that without revolutionary pan-Africanism. It's all the same. You've got to have the mother and father to produce liberation. Yes. Right on. Right on. I think, you know, that some of the, what, what we've learned and what we've heard, and, and I want to thank all the listeners, and I want to thank all the people who participated. Um, thank our chairman for calling in having enough understanding, enough sense to realize that this is a major, that political education, a proper ideology, like Chairman Carr teaches us, is the first line of defense. And without a proper ideology, <clears throat> we're just a bunch of reactionaries, which we see taking place, something that Brother Z's shared with us when he was talking about the L.A. riots after Dr. King, when he was talking, uh, Rodney King, Dr. King, then. after Rodney King, the Mike Brown incident, even where China said that they stood in solidarity with us. But uh, we, we have unity of action, but not unity of thought. I thought that was profound. So what we share, and even what our dear brother Akil was saying, having a knowledge of self. So we understand that it starts with a knowledge of self, and it starts with yes. a clear goals, aims, and objectives, and that if people have to have a knowledge of their origin and a place of their history, and as long as your place of birth is held in captivity. See, this is what they understood after the slave trade. They said, okay, why just keep bringing Africans to different places to enslave? Let's just go enslave the whole continent. You understand what I'm saying? Carve it up like a Christmas turkey. So if they, if they enslave the place of your birth, the place of your origin, where your heritage originated from, where you as individuals have originated from, um, they know that they can they capture you mentally. They can capture you emotionally, spiritually, physically, and every other way. So what we're learning here is that in our institution building over here, in our fight for empowerment over here, in our fight for liberation over here, in our fight for a survival, basically, it is inexplicably tied. It cannot be divorced from our fight with our brothers and sisters who are just that, brothers yeah. and sisters. Understand this, and I've said this before on the show. You have to understand that you still have relatives over there that a crime was yes. committed against you, and that we that our families were severed, that we have blood ties, that we have a connection. Too long we, we, we've divorced ourselves, that Africa is just an idea that you get in. And I'm not knocking a lot of our, you know, cultural nationalists. I understand the importance of an African culture, but it goes farther than just Afrocentricity in our, in our decor. In, 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 in the motifs and the things of that nature, but to really understand how serious it is that we are an African people that have been disconnected from our heritage, that we've been, you know, have, have been stripped from our blood ties, from kith and kin. You know why today you wouldn't stand for someone to come up and ride by. It's called kidnapping, isn't it? You would chase a car down the street if someone came and snatched your child, your cousin. It doesn't even have to be your child. Your niece or your nephew and threw him in a car and rolled off. And you would never forget them. So this is what we have to understand, that we are connected to a people and that a crime was committed. And the only way to really expose the horrific nature of that crime, how serious that, that crime is, is to reconnect, reconnect ourselves to our place of origin and to, you know, to have a worldwide revolution, especially a revolution amongst uh, us as Pan-Africanists. And every, and I say that, and then like Chairman Carr teaches us, nationalism is a part of that because wherever you are, the Caribbean, Jamaica, uh, uh, Australia, as we're finding out, like Brother Zizwe said, if you're in those places fighting for your liberation, that's nationalism. But it can't stop just right there, that you have to be connected, that the Australian brother and sister has to be connected to our struggle. 
and we have to be connected to their struggle, as well connected to the struggle in Haiti and the struggle in Jamaica and the struggle worldwide. So they're interconnected, yeah. like Chairman Carr teaches us, the mother and the father, that it's all one and the same, and that they would love for us to divide ourselves. They would love for us to divide our struggle. But I tell you some people that you can take an example and look to, that you look to the, the Jewish, our Jewish counterparts, who will never let you forget the Holocaust, who look out for the Jews over here, the Zionists, and some of them, a lot of them, and there's a difference between Jewism and Zionism, we'll go into that, but the Zionists over here, still, even though they're over here, they still support the illegal state of Israel, financially, right. politically, propaganda-wise. You see what I'm saying? So we have to be in the mindset of supporting, of bringing awareness to the Ma'afa, the African slave trade. So with that, we thank you. I want to thank our guest, man. I want to thank our brother Zizway from the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Dear comrade, thank you so much for coming on, man. You know, taking these two hours My out pleasure. of your night, sharing with us, brother. My pleasure. And definitely. And our dear brother, Chairman Kahar, who always, and until next week, catch us next Wednesday. From 8 to 10, this is your host, National Spokesman, Yang Nkrumah, the People's New Black Panther Party, with our co-hosts and your People's Chairman, the People's Chairman, our National Chairman, Chairman Kahar, out of Cleveland. This is People's Talk Black Nationalist Network. Catch up with us next week from 8 to 10, where we'll be bringing it to you. Uh, thank you again, all the viewers. And we're out. All powers to the people and black power to black people. People. This is Street Radio for Unsung Hero. Riding in the Rigo, trying to stay legal. My daughter found Nemo, I found a new primo. Yeah, you know how we do. We do it for the people and the struggle of the brothers and the folks. The lovers of the dope. Experiment to discover hope. Scuffle for notes to rougher. I wrote times with harder. Went for rock starters to the voice of a martyr. Why white folks focus on dogs and yoga? My people on the low and trying to ball and get over. Lyrics are like liquor for the fallen soldier. From the bounce to the house, it's all our culture. Every day we hustling, trying to get them customers. Law we ain't trusting them. Thick bras, we busting them. Sick and tired of punching it. I look on the bus at them. When I see them struggling, I think I'm touching them. The people. Unsung hero, riding in the Rigo, trying to stay legal. My daughter found Nemo, I found the new Primo. Yeah, you know how we do, we do it for the people. The people said that I was sharp on TV at the Grammys. Though they tried to India, I read me. Got backstage and I bumped in to see me. He said, no matter what, the people gon' see me. Can't leave rap alone, the streets need me. Hunger in their eyes is what seemed to feed me. Inside peace mixed with beef seemed to breed me. Nobody believed, till I believed. Doing business with my God, business realized, music affecting lives, a gift from the skies to be recognized. I'm keeping my eyes on the people, that's the prize. For un-
unsung hero Riding in the Rigo, trying to stay legal My daughter found Nemo, I found the new Primo Yeah, you know how we do, we do it for the people From Inglewood to a single hood in Botswana I see the eye, we my nigga, yours is my drama Standing in front of the 